Smells like football, baby. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host, Kyle August, recording this thing on Monday, August 8th, getting you set for 2022, covering the running back position on today's podcast. Going to be running through my tiers, 60 total running backs ranked for me right now. So I'm going to run through all my tiers to get you set for draft day. This is just part one of my running back preview. Going to dive into a few more highlighted players later on in the week. So be on the lookout for part two. It is definitely good to be back behind the mic. Uh, took a little bit of time off in case you guys missed the shows last week. Go back and check those out. You know, we have a lot of avid, avid Dynasty players here, clearly. Uh, but got to get set for those redraft leagues, right? Don't want to get beat by your coworkers or your friends or relatives or college buddies that know that you're a diehard fantasy player and they took you down in your redraft league because you were too focused on that Dynasty mindset, right? So last week, kicked off redraft season with 10 players that dynasty owners should not over or undervalue in redraft leagues. And then the quarterback preview dropped on Friday last week on the podcast as well. So if you missed either of those shows, go back, check them out, ran through all of my quarterback tiers and rankings and highlighted those players as well. Just a one parter for the quarterbacks. But on today's show, obviously a lot more to dive into with what is the most important, the make or break position for fantasy. I know in Dynasty, uh, these these running backs can be a little bit more straightforward. You know the guys that are younger, that are, are more valuable, and you know the kind of the guys that are, and they've got a year left or so. But for redraft, none of that matters, right? We're looking for one season. We're looking for 2022 production. And how should we be gauging these players heading into the season? I'm going to dive into strategy just a little bit more on part two of this show while I highlight some of the more specific players I want to target or avoid or late round stabs or dart throws. But as I roll through these positions today, I do want to preface this with, I think the position overall is about 14 or so deep uh, that I feel pretty comfortable with, with another seven or so that I, I like quite a bit uh, as my, you know, as a RB1, RB2. So I think when you look at this position on draft day in your redraft leagues, there's a handful of guys I'm definitely targeting with round one picks. And as you look at that turn, balancing out your preference of wide receiver or running back will determine which types of these players you get. So pay attention to the tier breaks here and determine which way you'll be leaning with the first couple of picks of your draft. I'm going to roll through. Uh, I have 12 tiers here. Not going to touch on every single one of these players, but I do have a lot of notes here for uh, the top 30 or so. So looking forward to diving into this. So let's just get right into it. Number one at the top of the board, it's pretty easy. I think he's the consensus one-on-one right now and he sits in tier one, Jonathan Taylor, JT, led the league in all the important rushing categories last year and had 40 receptions, which is usually the number you're trying to look at uh, at the running back position as the floor. He was running back one by 30 points and really uh, just dominated that second half of the season. and led a lot of fantasy owners to to fantasy championships, but he's not alone in tier one because for me, even in PPR and all these rankings are PPR, I'm putting Derrick Henry as my running back two and paired with Jonathan Taylor in tier one. I know Henry is coming off of heavy workloads over the course of his career, was banged up last season, returned for the playoffs. But in his eight games last year, Henry was actually running back one in points per game at 20, 24.2, almost two and a half points better than JT. And in just half a season, Derrick Henry had just under 220 attempts, 937 yards, and 10 rushing touchdowns. 
in addition to 18 receptions, which doesn't sound like a lot, right? In half a season, 18 receptions. That's actually one of his career high. Uh, so Derrick Henry is giving you 30 receptions on top of the workload that he will probably lead the league in attempts once again this season, even if they dial him back just slightly. I think Derrick Henry is totally capable of winning you your league. So these are the blue chipper league win players, JT and Derrick Henry in tier one. That's the tier break for me, and we head to tier two. These are running backs three through five in my rankings. Number three, and at the top of tier two, is Christian McCaffrey. He's only played 10 games over the last two seasons, but you know this kid is the ultimate boom-bust player, really, when you factor in those injuries. He averaged 18 fantasy points per game in his seven games last year. The previous seasons before 2020, the dude was an absolute freaking monster. I don't need to sit here and tell you guys this. I think, you know, if he hits his ceiling, he is right there with JT and Derrick Henry, if not over those guys. But still lots of question marks, a lot of change in Carolina over the last few years, and McCaffrey has proven not to stay healthy. So you need at least 12 to 13 games out of him to feel really good, and you need him there when it counts the most. So maybe you can't expect 16 games out of CMC, but when he's out there, he should be almost just as good as JT and Derrick Henry. Uh, the other tier mates that I have with CMC – Coming in at four and five in my rankings, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris. These guys are, are, are fairly similar in one aspect, and that is the receptions. 70-plus receptions for both of these backs. They tied at 94 targets last season, so you know they're going to be heavily involved in the passing game. Eckler, career year on the ground for sure. They finally unlocked, let him loose just a little bit. The man hadn't seen a rushing touchdown uh, after Melvin Gordon returned uh, in 2020, but he put up big numbers. Uh, 900 yards, 12 rushing touchdowns on the ground, in addition to his, like I said, 70 receptions for over 600 yards and eight touchdowns for the year. 20 total touchdowns for Austin Eckler is going to be a lot to replicate, but again, with 90-plus targets and an offense that should throw the ball a ton, I like Austin Eckler to maybe not repeat exactly where he was third in points per game, but he can hover right around that probably 19 to 20 points per game and still finishes a top five running back. I like him quite a bit. I mentioned Najee Harris. The dude was an absolute monster as far as just workload. Over 300 attempts, was just second in the league to Jonathan Taylor in rush attempts. Had just 10 total touchdowns, but the receptions, again, were key. Uh, I hate the fact that his O-line is really not good. A lot of unproven uh, players around him when you look at the quarterback position. Uh, or maybe guys that I guess you could say are proven. They've proven that suck. Uh, but for me, Najee is a guy that I think you look at the amount of attempts and receptions this guy's going to get. He should be among the league leaders. So for me, that puts him in tier two with CMC and Austin Eckler. So those are my top five at the position there. Got to get nitpicky, but those are my guys. Tier three is another five players. I think all have a pretty wide range of outcomes. And I do think there's a little bit of distance between uh, Najee and these guys, especially when you compare the tier distance between JT and Derrick Henry to like tier two. I think that's a little bit tighter. Um, these are my last, these are my last ditch RB ones. In my opinion, I think if you get one of these 10 guys, I think you're really set with a strong difference maker running back at the position. Um, but that's where the tier break is for me here after tier three. So the running backs in this tier are Joe Mixon, Alan Kamara, Deandre Swift, Dalvin cook, and Leonard Fournette. Starting with Joe Mixon, seventh in points per game last season had, had a uh, 290 plus attempts, which was great career year, really on the ground. But the thing I love the most, too, was the fact that he had the 42 receptions. Uh, second most targets of his career. 
The only thing was he was a little bit up and down. Eight of his 16 games, he had one or fewer catches. So we need Joe Mixon to be on the field a little bit more if he's going to jump into that tier two range with the ultimate pass catchers that we have with McCaffrey, Eckler, Harris. I just don't see Joe Mixon doing that. There's already reports, you know, they're going to be working in third down running backs like they did last season. So I think Joe Mixon can replicate what he did last year, which was a really solid year, 16 total touchdowns. This offense is going to be great. Mixon's going to be the focal point on the ground for sure. And you're just hoping that he can land somewhere in that 40 to 45 range of receptions. Alvin Kamara being my RB7 right now. The news that his trial date was pushed back to September. We're not going to know on draft day whether he's suspended or not. We're just not. You can expect him to be suspended eventually, but is that going to be in 2022 or is that going to be in 2023? Because just because his his trial, or just because his court dates start going in motion in September, doesn't mean things are going to wrap up this season. And until that, until that's concluded, I don't expect Kamara to be handed a suspension from the NFL. When you look at Kamara, we know what he's done over the course of his career. Without Drew Brees, though, this is his first time in 2021. That was his first season with under 80 catches. He had 47, the career low, but. He was fed on the ground quite a bit. Career high, 240 attempts, finished with over 1,300 total yards and nine touchdowns in just 13 games. He was running back six in points per game. I think with Jameis Winston now under center, a little bit more consistency there at the quarterback position. And when I say consistency, I don't mean that Jameis is overly consistent. I just mean that the same guy will be under center for uh, the majority of the games for the Saints. I expect Kamara to get Kamara to get a ton of work. Uh, the reception should go up. The attempts might go down just a tick. But when you look at his production last season, I think there's no reason to think that he can't replicate that again, be wildly successful as long as he's on the field, uh, a la the the expected suspension. Number eight for me is DeAndre Swift. This guy is super interesting. He's been in the league for two years. It really didn't give him a lot of work, right? Uh, He was 10th in points per game, though, last year, despite only having 150 attempts because the dude was a baller through the year. 62 receptions on 78 targets. Again, 62 receptions on 78 targets in just 13 games. The dude was an absolute monster the first 10 games of the season. He averaged 18 and a half fantasy points per game. That would have been RB4 on pace. Um, And the dude, speaking of on pace, was on pace for 90 receptions and 114 targets in those first 10 games before he got banged up. So when you look at Swift, he could be the league leader in receptions uh, and targets at the position but they've just been hesitant to give him that full workload, right? His on-pace numbers the first 10 weeks was still just 230 attempts. When you talk about guys like Najee at over 300, Joe Mixon at 290, um, even Kamara at 240 could end up on his high. So I like Swift quite a bit. The offense is obviously going to struggle, but with them playing behind in games, I think Swift is a great option here with some serious upside RB8. Dalvin Cook comes in RB9. He's missed eight games over the last three seasons. So you know he's going to expect just a couple, but we saw a significant drop-off in production last season. Uh, He had double-digit rushing touchdowns in 2019 and 2020, fell all the way down to just six total touchdowns, six total touchdowns uh, last season. He was 11th among running backs in points per game. My concern here is, again, those massive touchdown numbers we saw the previous two seasons before last, those are really, really hard to replicate, and that's what we saw last season. We also saw his catches come down a little bit as well, just 34. So not as involved in the passing game uh, for Dalvin Cook. So I think he definitely has the upside to get you that that 10 to 12 touchdowns, um, similarly to the rest of the running backs in this tier. But I just don't have him really close to that Najee Eckler CMC tier in tier two. Wrapping up tier three, I mentioned him Leonard Fournette. He was running back four in points per game at 18.3 in his 14 games last season. Uh, the dude was 
on a crazy pace for reception, especially when you consider that it was Leonard Fournette, right? We weren't really expecting that. We're expecting a change of pace back. He was on pace for 84 receptions and 102 targets. Those numbers would have put him in the league lead in those two categories. If you project that out, a la DeAndre Swift, right? Those two guys would have actually leapfrogged the league leaders um, through the year. I don't know that, uh, you know, we've seen Fournette get banged up a little bit here and there. He'll probably miss a game or two like most of these running backs. So those on-pace numbers are a little bit, you know, projection there. But I think, again, his involvement through the air uh, puts him on par with a Kamara and Swift. And this is a Tampa offense that should move the ball quite a bit. So those are your first 10 running backs there in the first three tiers. Tier four, some running backs I like. There's some upside here, but I just don't think that they have top five running back upside like, like some of the guys in the tier above them. These four running backs in tier four, Saquon Barkley comes in at number 11 in my ranks, the Nick Chubb that rounds out my top 12, followed by James Conner and Aaron Jones. Barkley, this is definitely just an upside throw, man. He played 13 games last year and, and he just, he disappointed. Um, had under 700 total yards, sorry, under 800 total yards, had just the 41 receptions on 57 targets for an offense that struggled quite a bit. So we need this offense to turn it around. We need Saquon to return to form. We know talent-wise, he's right up there with anybody in the league. But we it's been a while since we've seen it. So he's coming in at number 11. Number 12 is Nick Chubb. You know what he can do on the ground. 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns last year. That's exactly what you want, man. This dude will get fed the rock on the ground. But he just doesn't get it through the air. Just 20 receptions last year on 25 targets. And that was with Kareem Hunt only playing half the season. So Nick Chubb for me is kind of that guy who will always be right on that borderline of that RB1. Again, he's outside of that clear RB1 tier. He can be that from week from you know on any given week but without the receptions he definitely has the downside he needs to hit pay dirt right so for me nick chubb comes in at number 12 in tier four james connor who had 18 total touchdowns last season including 15 through the air he comes in at number 13 uh in the middle of this tier he was running back nine in points per game last season my favorite stat with connor is that on the six games without chase edmonds he had 25 receptions that's a 70 catch pace now, they brought in some running backs around him. Other guys are getting hyped. If James Conner continues to be the red zone guy, though, and he can still get you that 12 rushing touchdowns, uh, I think that his reception total can can bump up from that 37 on the year last season. If he can get you in that 40, 45 to 50 range, I think he'll be just fine right here as running back 13. Uh, we know that regression is coming for the touchdowns, but uh, I think that there's enough safety there with this offense that he should be able to put up really solid numbers and be a high-end RB2 for you. Aaron Jones comes in at number 14, and this one is going to be interesting. Without Devontae Adams there, King Money in Green Bay, what do we expect from this Green Bay offense, right? We also saw the split with A.J. Dillon last season. The first nine games, Aaron Jones averaged 16.5 fantasy points per game. He averaged 13 attempts, uh, about 80 total yards. He had seven touchdowns in those in those first nine games. Really solid. But then the last six games of the season, could this be kind of a glimpse into what we're expecting in 2022? Jones averaged 13 and a half fantasy points per game compared to Dylan, who had fifth, who had just under 16. His attempts went down from 13 a game to nine. Uh, the receptions were still there, but the total, the touchdown totals, just three in those final six games compared to seven in the first nine. For me, Aaron Jones is a guy that still has upside. He should still be involved in the passing game, even though AJ Dylan can do it too. Dylan doesn't have those stone hands. I think they can both be involved in every asset and every facet of the game. So for me, Jones is the one that I'm obviously most concerned of because I have him ranked last in this group. 
but I do think he has, you know, a little bit more reception upside than Chubb and, and or clearly more than Chubb and, and more than Connor. So I think that should keep him right around here and be a high end RB two for you. My tier five, this is a little bit bigger tier. This is seven guys. I think these should be, these guys are RB twos. Um, a couple of these guys, I think have more upside than the other, but uh, they also have some pretty low floors. At number 15 on my ranks, kicking off tier five is Javante Williams. You don't love the fact that there's a lot of reports that are like, hey, Javante is the guy and the coaches love him, but they're they're going to split, right? They brought Melvin back. That's what the coaches are saying. Javante Williams has the ult, is an ultimate boom bust pick for me at this spot. When you look at what he could do, last season he split pretty evenly, but the touchdowns favored Melvin. He was given the goal line looks. Melvin had 10 touchdowns to Javante, seven total. Uh, but Williams was pretty involved in the passing game, 43 receptions. So you like that again, both those running backs in Denver can do it all. The offense should be improved. So I'm going to take Javante here. I think, I think if I had to put my money, like, I think the chances are, he's probably more of a, a mid to low RB two, but he does have that upside. If they actually give him the reins there in Denver, uh, another West Western team. Oh, we're going to go with Cam Akers here at running back 16. He's in tier five battled back through injury last year to return in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if you can take much away from those stats, to be honest. The fact that he was just on the field is pretty incredible. But my favorite thing when I'm looking at Cam Akers is, uh, does the Rams rushing attack balance out a little bit more into what we saw on the pre-Matthew Stafford McVay teams? In the four years with Jared Goff at quarterback, Sean McVay led Rams averaged just under 20 rushing touchdowns per season. They were top five in the league three out of four years. But then last year in 2021, when Matthew Stafford and his 41 passing touchdowns, the Rams had just 10 rushing TDs. I think with Cam Akers back um, and Daryl Henderson healthy uh, for as long as he is, I think you're going to see those rushing numbers come up uh, for this Rams offense. This is obviously a great offense that you want a piece of. So Cam Akers is somebody that I'm I'm set and good considering as my running back too. Elijah Mitchell is, is uh, running back 17 for me in tier five. In 11 games, just over 200 yards, just under, sorry, just just over 200 attempts, just under 1,000 yards, and the five touchdowns, uh, really solid on the ground. 85-plus rushing yards in seven of his 11 games. This dude was, when he was given the rock and the opportunity, he was solid as hell on the ground. The issue is 19 receptions on 20 targets, just not going to get those catches. Uh, so you're really looking for his production on the ground. I think he's kind of a Nick Chubb light there. And, of course, we've seen San Francisco rotate their running backs before, but I think Mitchell's the guy for the Niners and I'm okay right here at number 17. Number 18, this isn't a guy that I'm really high on as far as what I think his prospects and upside is, but I think he's on a team that will just give him the rock no matter what, and that's Zeke. Uh, it's sad for me to say as a Cowboys fan, I love Zeke. He's done a lot for us, but that cliff has come and we saw that last season. We did have we did see some splits that may, you know, shed some light, you know, as far as Zeke, he was banged up um after the first half of the season. They still gave him the seventh most attempts in his 17 games in the league. He had 237 attempts. You know, that's nice. That's the volume you're looking for. Um, had the 10 rushing touchdowns, 12 total touchdowns, 47 receptions. You know, it's really nice. But let's take a look at those splits that I mentioned. The first nine games, he averaged 16 attempts, 74 rushing yards. Uh, he had eight total touchdowns. In the last seven games, he his attempts dropped from 16 to 11. His rushing yards per game dropped from 74 to 36. His production through the air stayed steady, about two and a half to three catches a game. Um, but his touchdown numbers, again, dropped. Eight total touchdowns that first nine games to just four that last seven. I think Zeke will get the goal line opportunities. He'll be get, as long as he's healthy or as long as he's on the field. Not even if he's healthy. They've proven that. 
If he's on the field, they're going to give him looks. Um, but I just think the upside days of Zeke are over. Um, and he'll be steady right here, but you should treat him as a low-end RB2. Don't overwrite that name value. David Montgomery comes in at RB19 in this tier. Uh, he was running back 15 in points per game last season. He sh- he'll just be a workhorse type guy. I think they'll work in the backups there a little bit more. Um, so I just think he's going to be a guy that should compile some stats for you, similar to Zeke. The rookie Brees Hall comes in at number 20 in tier five. Uh, the Jets had 326 carries last year and nine total running back touchdowns. Uh, they're going to need to improve on the offense in order for Hall to be a big time fantasy star. But I think in his rookie season, he should be able to give you just fine RB2 numbers. And the last guy on this tier, we had good news from him out of camp today. J.K. Dobbins activated off the pup list. It's been a while since we've seen him on the field, obviously. He had seven touchdowns the final six games of 2020, and you know that this rushing offense is crazy. Um, but similar to Mitchell, Dobbins will not get any receptions. Um, you know, So uh, those guys are, are similar in that vein, but I love the fact of getting a piece of that Baltimore offense. So J.K. Dobbins at running back 21 rounds out my tier five. So Again, tier five, Javante Williams, Cam Akers, Elijah Mitchell, Zeke, Montgomery, the rookie Brees Hall, and J.K. Dobbins. Tier seven. This is These are the guys that I'm hoping I can, I can draft on draft day as a flex. Uh, I think they're fine options, but this is really kind of the, the cut point um, in here. And uh, depending on how you feel about the guys in tier eight, you know, this, this really could be it as far as the guys you feel comfortable as your flex or RB3. And maybe you're kind of waiting on the position and, and just passing on the next tier altogether. But in tier seven for me, I have Travis Etienne, uh, you know, dealt with the injury last year. Robinson's working his way back, but he should be a reception monster still. That's what we expected in his rookie season, but just didn't get a chance to see it. Antonio Gibson, surprisingly, he played 16 games last season, uh, but it just didn't feel that way, right? But the, the carries were there just under 260, over 1,000 total yards. He had 10 total touchdowns. The thing that worries me with Gibson is just the inconsistency, but also too, uh, this team went out, they pried JD McKissick away from the bills. Uh, they drafted Brian Robinson in round three. It just seems like they're doing everything possible to not give Gibson the work. Uh, we think Gibson's a, a, you know, a, a capable pass catcher. They gave him 42 receptions, but why is it, was it that important to go get McKissick back? You know, they continue to feature McKissick in the passing game. So Gibson's a two down back for me. And that's why he comes in here at RB 23. Uh, rounding out round seven, so you got Etienne and Gibson. Then you have Josh Jacobs, A.J. Dillon, and Damian Harris. Uh, Jacobs, his attempts dropped to a career low 217, but we saw reception jump up to 54, nine total touchdowns. But with this new offense, I think he's going to share the workload just a bit. I think those reception numbers come down probably closer to the 35-40 range we saw over the course of his career. I think the attempts will still be around that 225-230 range. So as much as he's getting kind of poo-pooed, I think Josh Jacobs, he'll be a fine, uh, you know, low mid to low RB2, um, even though he was kind of a, a mid to high RB2 last season. AJ Dillon, I mentioned the splits earlier with Aaron Jones. Dillon averaged just under 16 points per game those last six games without, or sorry, with Aaron Jones. Those are the games that were with Aaron Jones. There were a couple of games with that he was on his own, but I just looked, I wanted to look at the stats with Aaron Jones on the field. So AJ Dillon, 15.8 points per game. The last six games where him and Jones were both on the field. He averaged 14 attempts to nine for Jones, and he had five rushing touchdowns compared to one for for for, uh, for Aaron Jones. So the one thing I like about Dylan, though, is he's not just a, a rushing guy. He had some opportunities with Jones out. We saw the pass-catching ability from A.J. Dillon. I do think he can be a three-down back. Those guys are going to split, and I think the offense is going to be pretty dependent 
on that running back output between those two guys. So uh, he's running back 25 for me, but I think Dylan can be counted on as an RB2. And the last guy in this tier was Damian Harris. Just over 200 attempts for, for just over 900 yards, but you, the 15 rushing touchdowns obviously propped up uh, Damian Harris. Similar to some of the other guys we talked about, Damian Harris will not catch the ball. He had 21 targets last season. So you really need him to be the goal line back and the featured guy for the Patriots when they get down inside the 10. So he is definitely a tier behind the Elijah Mitchell, um, J.K. Dobbins, similar guys to him that, you know, they, they just aren't pass catchers. But I think Harris being featured on that offense, I'm still going to keep him here as running back 26 in tier seven. Tier eight, this is the guys that really starts getting gross for me. And you really got to kind of take a shot here and, and hope you hit gold um, running. Uh, sorry. So this goes 20 RB 27 to RB 31 tier eight. I have Clyde's Edwards, Alaire, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, Devin Singletary, and rookie Kenneth Walker. The third, when you look at CEH, he's been disappointing over the first two seasons. I mean, he's played 23 games, his 11 total touchdowns and just 55 receptions. Darrell Williams does leave this team replaced in theory by Ronald Jones who hasn't been much over pass catcher over the course of his career. Darrell Williams leaves 47 catches for 450 yards on 57 targets. So maybe they work Edwards Hilaire into the passing game as we may have expected over the first two seasons. But CEH is somebody that's got to stay on the field. This is a great offense clearly. Um, and it's just super disappointing. He hasn't, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't really produced yet. I would not count him on him any more than a flex uh, at this point. Miles Sanders, he is still looking for his first touchdown of 2021. Uh, he had none last season. Really disappointing year for the Eagles running back. Uh, he just in his 12 games, only five of them did he have more than 12 attempts. Constant reports out of camp that Kenneth Gainwell is going to get high leverage opportunities. Um, Sanders is is definitely a guy that you know fancy owners are going to want to stay away from based off how they burned him last year. And again, similar to Ceh in this tier, this is kind of the you know, those two guys, especially maybe they have the opportunity to be the lead back in their backfield, but I'm a little bit worried um, and skeptical about those two, two guys, but they're in my tier eight here. Uh, Tony Pollard. I'm hoping for more snaps as a Cowboys fan. I want to see this guy on the field a little bit more with what similar, not as much, but similar to green Bay, right? I think the Cowboys are going to have to look some for some production out of their running backs. I think seeing Tony Pollard on the field more, put him in the slot a little bit. Hopefully he can get above, get more snaps. He never had a game with more than 42% of the snaps last season. Uh, he ended up with a hundred, just 130 carries and just 40 cat and just under 40 catches. Uh, I think those numbers can come up. I'd love to see him get closer to that 170 carry range. Um, and I think if he's on the field, he's definitely capable and can get you that 40 to 45 catch mark. You can be a fine flex option with upside of Zeke's ever Zeke ever misses time. Devin Singletary, this is the most polarizing player, I think, to rank, to be honest. Because his name is Devin Singletary, I want to bury the hell out of him in my rankings. But you got to look at what he did at the end of last season. I don't know if you can ignore it. Despite the fact they did draft James Cook, Singletary's splits are crazy. Uh, the first 13 games, these are totals. He had 112 attempts for 547 yards and two rushing touchdowns. So 112, just under 552 rushing touchdowns, 32 receptions. Uh, for 150 yards, no touchdowns through the air, 40 targets. 8.8 points per game in PPR. Uh, um, unplayable, right? Borderline unplayable guy. You look at the last five games, including the playoffs. He, This is his totals again. 102 attempts in those five games versus 112 in the, in the first 13. 430 rushing yards in those five games with eight 
rushing touchdowns. Added another 15 receptions for 111 yards and a touchdown. So nine total touchdowns in those five games compared to the two, the first 13 games. Went from 8.8 points per game to 20 and a half in those five games to wrap up the season, including the playoffs and against good teams, right? Singletary is somebody that I think has a huge, 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 huge range of outcomes. I obviously don't trust him because I have him here in this tier eight, but when you draft this guy, if they, if they give him the looks, right, if he's seeing the attempts that he saw in the second half last season, I mean, you could be looking at a steal, especially with where he's going in ADP right now. And then Kenneth Walker, the rookie, this comes down to, I don't believe in Rashad Penny. Uh, it, we know we saw it at the end of last season, crazy numbers out of Penny, six total touchdowns over those last uh, five weeks, average 21 fantasy points per game. This offense though is going to stink. Um, I think Walker will get the line share of the carries though. He, uh, and again, Penny has just shown over the course of his career. I don't think five weeks does a career make. I think Penny will, will end up being injured at some point and, and Walker will be the only show in town there for the Seahawks comes in at RB 31 in my ranks in his rookie season. All right, going to kind of funnel through the rest of these guys a little bit quicker. Tier 9 is another group of five. I have Chase Edmonds, Cordero Patterson, Kareem Hunt, assuming he's on the Browns, Daryl Henderson, and Melvin Gordon. What we've seen out of Chase Edmonds, I do expect him to be the quote-unquote lead back for the Dolphins, but he has never had more than 116 rush attempts. So what are we expecting from him this season? I don't don't know they're just going to give him 220 or even 180 attempts. I think if he ends somewhere in that 150 range, you want to see those receptions obviously come in there and he can be a, a, a cheaper flex option for you. Chase Edmonds is really good to be out of the backfield. He had 43 receptions in just 11 games last year, uh, paired with his career high in attempts. Now in Miami, I think he could be the lead back there for, for the Dolphins, but I do think there's going to be a split um, on that uh, on that Dolphins offense. Cordero Patterson, the man of the man of splits, of course, 17 and a half fantasy points per game in PPR the first 12 weeks was freaking on fire. Uh, average 10 rushing attempts, just under four reception in the game. Crazy, right? The last four weeks, though, really let you down with just 31 attempts and six receptions, uh, less than 10 touches per game. And the fantasy numbers obviously followed there on that downward trend. Patterson, I think, is somebody that they brought in some running back talent, but not a lot. I still think you should see some attempts. You're hoping for eight. I would love to see eight attempts per game from Patterson. I think more work as a receiver in this offense could be, uh, could be in his future as well, but I don't think he's going to touch that 17 and a half fantasy points per game. He'll probably su- settle again somewhere in kind of that low end flex option, which is what this tier is. Cream Hunt played eight games last season. He had five total touchdowns on just 90 touches. Um, assuming he's in Cleveland. Uh, again, this is a guy that, you know, has seen enough share with uh, Nick Chubb and he should be the passing downs back for the Browns. Um, a lot of range of outcomes for that Browns offense. So, so for right now, he's just a flex. Daryl Henderson, for me, he's one of the, as far as when you look at kind of the backup guys, he's really high up my list. He's ahead of some of these other guys that are going ahead of him in ADP. Henderson started the season off really strong. First seven games, 17 and a half fantasy points per game, had seven touchdowns in those seven games, but got banged up. And after that, only played in five more games the rest of the season and saw just 39 attempts on the ground. With Cam Akers back, now they're talking about 50-50 split there. If you look at that, for the price where you have to pay for Akers versus Henderson, it's crazy. I think you get Henderson right now uh, just before the double digit rounds and he would be a priority backup for me coming in here at tier nine and RB 35, my rankings. And then you got Melvin Gordon. I think when you look at Gordon, Williams should be given the edge and touchdowns. If all the reports coming out of here, right? Give the young kid the looks, but I think Gordon will be somebody that gets you that 220 touches, maybe 230, 
So he'll be fantasy relevant from that standpoint, but he will not be a starter. He should be a bi-week fill-in, kind of a, a, uh, a flex guy in some deeper leagues. All right, tier 10. I got Ramondre Stevenson, Rashad Penny, James Robinson, Ronald Jones, Michael Carter, and Alexander Madison. Uh, with Stevenson, we saw some glimpses, and it was just at weird times. So you couldn't really predict it. Um, he had three games with over 19, 19 or more carries in those three games, four rushing touchdowns, just under 300 rushing yards. I think he's preferred a little bit more in the passing game, but there again is reports that they're going to feature a passing downs running back on this, in this offense for on third downs. So I'm not sure that's going to be Stevenson here. He's moving down in my rankings a little bit. Rashad Penny, RB 38. He's probably the biggest difference that I have compared to the consensus rankings right now. We're at fancy pros. I just don't believe in this guy, you know, 21 fancy points per game those last five weeks. Four 100-yard games, six rushing touchdowns. That's all great. But this offense is going to suck. Penny has been horrible over the course of his career, and it, I don't think that he'll be the lead back for very long uh, in Seattle. I think eventually they'll just give the kid the looks and Kenneth Walker, and Penny will be relegated to backup duty there. James Robinson working back from injury. Uh, really nice season for him considering how bad that offense was last year. Um, over the 900 total yards, eight rushing touchdowns. Uh, he can do it all, right? He, he is a guy that can do it through the air as well. Um, but just waiting on health a little bit. He could be a guy that moves up in the ranks if you get more positive reports from him. Ronald Jones. Uh, I mean, Daryl Williams had eight total touchdowns. So maybe there's that. Uh, I, as much as I don't believe in CEH, I really don't believe in Ronald Jones either. It's a great offense. You want a piece of it. If you get cheap, 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 cheap ADP on Rojo, you can take the shot. Um you know, when you value an ADP that you have to spend on CH versus Ronald Jones, might give the edge to Jones, to be honest. Um, but uh, I don't expect big things out of either of these guys if they're both out there. Michael Carter, RB41, again in here in uh, tier 10, 36 receptions, rookie season, had a nice little run there in the middle of the year, just under a thousand total yards. But with Hall there, uh, you know, he could be he could be valuable in PPR leagues um, through the air there. But for now, not a guy that I'm looking to prioritize. And Madison is clearly just a backup guy. Um, we saw last year three games without Dalvin Cook. He had over 100 yards. He averaged over 100 yards per game. He had 16 receptions in those three games, and he averaged 23 and a half fantasy points. Obviously, super super small sample size. Uh, just a you know classic handcuff guy. I don't think he'll see a lot of involvement when uh, Dalvin is on the field. All right, gonna buzz through these last two tiers. Not a ton of notes on these guys, but uh, this is running back 43 through 49, tier 11. James Cook, Kenneth Gainwell. Khalil Herbert, uh, Damon Pierce, and Marlon Mack, the Houston running backs, finally show up here just outside the top 45. Tyler, Tyler Algier, the rookie, and Naeem Hines. Actually, Naeem Hines would be up um, above Marlon Mack. So it's actually going to be Pierce, Hines, Mack, Algier. Uh, obviously, some some good pass catchers here with Cook, Gainwell. I think Hines is in for a pretty decent season through the air. I just don't really expect much on the ground, if anything. So um, he'll have those crazy, you know, touchdowns that come out of nowhere, like just like we saw last season. But um, these guys are just late round stabs. Uh, we'll touch more on them uh, on part two of this show. And then finally, just wrapping up the uh, top 60 in my rankings, this final tier, tier 12. These are the guys that I ranked. Uh, Raheem Mostert, J.D. McKissick, Dante Foreman, Daryl Williams, now in Arizona, Brian Robinson, the rookie, Mark Ingram, Jamal Williams, which uh, if you're going to watch Hard Knocks, I you know saw a little preview clip. I think that's going to be fun watching the line, so don't forget about checking out Hard Knocks over on HBO, dropping uh, on the 9th. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, Rashad White, Zamir White, and Gus Edwards. Uh, not a lot of positive reports out of Gus Edwards. The script had flipped 
on those Baltimore running backs. Been hearing all offseason, Edwards is going to be ready to go. J.K. What wouldn't be. Well, J.K., I guess, because Dobbins is already off the pup, and it sounds like Edwards is going to miss a quote-unquote chunk of time this season. So a few of these guys obviously will rotate in and out of my rankings here for the top 60. But there you go, the last two tiers at the position. All right, that concludes part one of the running back preview. Make sure to check out the SmackDown later on this week as I'm going to talk through targets, avoids, some great ADP values. Going to touch on that a little bit. Running back strategy, late round dart throws. I'm going to cover the position, kind of highlight players a little bit more from from those points of view. Uh, As we wrap up the show, again, stay subscribed, rate and review if you like what you hear. I'm glad to be back here on the SmackDown and uh, looking forward to interacting with you guys. So you can always hit me up on Twitter at KyleMonth8 if you have any questions on for draft days coming up. Hopefully those are a little bit closer to the start of the season. Uh, next week, I'm going to have the second part of the running back preview this week. Next week, going to dive into the wide receivers very similarly. But if you're going out to Canton, Ohio this weekend, upcoming weekend for the Fantasy Football Expo, uh, if you're going to be there, hit me up. Love to meet up with any of you get listeners out there. Going to looking forward to seeing a lot of people that uh, met last year finally in person. Uh, interacted with on Twitter, and it was a great time. So if you're going to be uh, at the Expo, definitely hit me up. If you're in the area, go check it out. Uh, Friday, Saturday night should be a ton of fun. Obviously, the whole Expo thing on Sunday as well. So looking forward to that. But with that, this is uh, this has been the SmackDown. Appreciate you boys for listening, and I'll catch you later on in the week. I'll see you.